Good morning. I'm sitting there thinking the agony and the ecstasy. I cannot get the picture of Napoleon Reed Dynamite out of my mind. We're entering the Halloween season and I feel haunted by that image. So now every time I see him, I will see Napoleon Dynamite. Anyone else? That was a haunting image. For those of you that had taken every thought captive and gotten rid of that thought, I'm bringing it back to you. I thought it was the real Napoleon Dynamite. Did you? Wow, you may have a future, Reed. That's a little extra income on the side. That is unreal. We are excited this morning, and we're really enthused about this season we're in. Everyone plays. We're already talking a little bit about what it means, and I want to flesh it out a little bit briefly. We're going to end early today, so we're abbreviating many things. But I just want to say that every believer at Our Lord's participates. That's what everyone plays means. We all get to use our gifts. We all get to contribute in significant ways. Some of us might feel a little bit uncomfortable in this season because a shift is happening. You are getting drawn into the arena and we are moving away from an audience kind of mentality, right? So I've, I've addressed it before. Our leadership team addresses it. Any leaders in the church are not here to impress or to entertain or to meet all the needs of the church, that is impossible, right? So the goal of the leadership team is to do ordinary church together, to worship together, to preach the scriptures, to teach, to make disciples. And as we sang this morning, the Lord Jesus is the head of the church. We look to him, right? And so our role is to empower the people. Paul talks about this in Ephesians 4. He talks about equipping the saints. Everyone plays is something that John Wimber said back in the 80s, the 90s, until his death. And if you know his story, he talked about every believer getting to do the stuff. What is the stuff? The stuff is what he read in the Gospels that drew him into the kingdom. It's the works, the words of Jesus. Everybody gets to do that. So if you're coming to Our Lords in the future, I just want you to hear today, not only are we recruiting volunteers, but we are also mobilizing people. This will be a place where you can discover, you can dust off, you can use your gifts significantly. And as we're going to talk about this morning, that involves honoring one another in that. So today represents more than a volunteer Sunday. In recent months, we've seen this And I just want you to hear a few reminders of what's happened over the last several months. This is not by chance. It's God's design. God has been doing things and mobilizing us, quickening us, waking us up. I remember Bethany Kilman about six months ago had an encounter in here with a group of prayers and they talked about God giving birth through prayer to something in here. Some of you were here when that happened. I remember through the difficult stretch that we've come through during the leadership crisis and transition, I remember Daniel Castle sent me a text. I read it to the church. Do some of you remember that? He talked about through that season that the enemy woke up a sleeping army. 
we've been awakened. I've been awakened. Many of you have been awakened, and it's just the beginning. Then in an unbelievable fashion, Steve Nicholson visited from Chicago. We had planned it. AT and I planned it months before. He happened to be here in mid-August, and Steve came, and he called us as a church to a season of equipping, mobilizing, and building teams, and that is where we are. So this Sunday factors into that. Again, this is nothing new. This is getting back to the roots of what the New Testament church was all about, right? Everyone contributing, all of the disciples. No one sitting over here looking at someone and watching. We all get to participate. We all get to use our gifts. And really, not only is this the getting back to the roots of the New Testament, but it's getting back to the roots of this church, isn't it, Scott? I mean, you have told me many times that the beginning of our Lord's, this was a place in the Bible Belt where people could come and receive prayer and learn to pray for healing, as Jesus did. And people were sent out all over the country and all over the world. So we're getting back to these precious roots of what it means to be a church that's equipped and mobilized. Today, I want us, you can look in 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to take just a few minutes to look at what I think is a touchstone passage that reinforces this everyone plays approach. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 12. He lays out three interrelated truths about functioning as the body of Jesus in the world. We're not going to read the whole passage. That's for you to do later. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 7, and then verses 12 through 18, and then skip down to 21 and 27. And I, I want us to just see some of the salient points from this passage. And the passage shouts, everyone plays. Everyone contributes. Everyone matters. So I'll read these passages here, and then we'll make a few comments then some of you can go eat more donuts. Jake's already had three. So he turned to me and I said, brother, that's three donuts, my word. So he gets to go to the Kilman's house and play later today once he's sugared up. Is that all right with you? Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, one through seven, the apostle Paul says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. Listen what's going on here. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I think what I'd like to do is just focus on this little section here and then we'll read the other verses. But the first thing that Paul is saying about the body of Christ is that there's various gifts and one source in these verses here. He's saying much, and again, we're just going to skim over this, and I think in the coming months, we'll look at this passage. We'll look at 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 in great detail, but this is just a little bit of insight here. In verse 1, 
Paul is informing the church about being spiritual people who properly use spiritual gifts, something that we highly value here. Some might wonder immediately, what is a spiritual gift? We can go into that later, but some might ask, is this natural talents? Is it skills and abilities? Or is it supernatural endowment? What do you think? All of the above. I would agree. It's not either or. Usually God takes the gifts, the talents, the skills, the passions in our heart and infuses it with Holy Spirit power. And that is called a spiritual gift. Some of us have one. Some of us have several. But the point Paul is making here is we'll see is they're given by God. Now, I do want to say here, Amanda and I were talking about this this week. Volunteer Sunday, again, is more about just volunteering, but I will say there is something about volunteering regardless of what your spiritual gift is. I remember at the Oklahoma City Vineyard almost 30 years ago, one of the the men there that was mentoring me said, ah, so you're interested in hearing God and prophetic ministry and these kinds of things, right? And I said, yes. And he goes, why don't you work in kids' church? And I said, I don't really see the connection. And he said, like I said, why don't you work in kids' church? And he said, I would urge you, while you're with all of those young people, begin to pray for them. See what God says and begin to speak it out over them, pray for them. There was no room in kids' church, so I ended up with the babies, changing diapers, doing these things. And so in that context, I began to say, Lord, I wanna hear your voice. Would you speak to me about these children here? So I think there's something about volunteering because the church needs it. It keeps the church going, right? And perhaps there are opportunities in that context to use our spiritual gifts, but I like the phrase, it doesn't take a village, it takes a body, right? It takes the body of Christ. I couldn't get away from this as well. When I went to seminary and went to Evanston Vineyard in Chicago, the same thing. I was identifying my gifts, beginning to use them. And what did my mentors there say? Why don't you work with our high school kids? And I thought, wow, that requires Marine Corps, especially Marine Corps courage. I was working with kids from inner city Chicago. And so oftentimes in this context, they would say, you're boring. Your hair is strange. This doesn't make sense. When do we get out? And so it was in that context that I learned a little bit of humility and serving the church and I remember in that context as well, I wanted to teach, I wanted to communicate. And again, my mentor said, well, if you can communicate with these cats here, then you can survive anywhere. So again, I think that volunteering is key, really important. We have so many opportunities to serve and thankfully our kids are more respectful here, right, than they were in some of those Chicago contexts. Um, in verses two and three of 1 Corinthians 12 here, Paul sets up an interesting contrast. He says, when you were pagans, and that word basically means a non-Jew. When you were living like a Gentile, a non-Jew, someone who doesn't worship the true God, 
you were led astray to idols. Idols who couldn't speak at all. And then Paul says, but now you are actually filled with, led by, and spoken to by the Holy Spirit. This is fascinating here, and I'm not sure we've thought about this before, but when Paul says, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and then look at the latter part of the verse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You know what Paul is saying here in this context? The function of the gifts is to declare the Lordship of Jesus. Have you ever thought of that before? The function of the spiritual gifts that are given to you and to me is to not make us look impressive for someone to go, oh, Jennifer, she can pray, take people through in her healing and their lives are changed. Wow, Brad can lead worship. Kathy Jo, boy, she can teach. What is the point of the spiritual gifts? To declare Jesus is Lord. So if that is not the passion of our hearts and what we're expecting, there's some adjustments to take place. The spiritual gifts are given first and foremost to declare that Jesus is Lord. He is King. He is the head of the church. This is something we long for. One of my favorite word and spirit commentators, a theologian named Gordon Fee says this, the ultimate criterion of the spirit's activity is the exaltation of Jesus as Lord. So when the gifts are functioning, Jesus is exalted. Amen? So the focus in the context of all spiritual gifts is the person of Jesus, not preoccupation with anyone's spiritual gift or activity. And frankly, this is part of spiritual immaturity. I've been there. I've done that where I'm focused more on the gift or I'm impressed by someone. And I think the Lord calls us into maturity and it's about exalting Jesus and keeping our eyes riveted on him. Look at verse four. Paul addresses diversity within unity here. And it's a thread that runs through this whole passage. Diversity within unity. Verses four through six, Paul uses the words varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties of services, but the same Lord. Do you see what he's doing here? Varieties of activities, but the same God. Early Trinitarian theology right here. Paul is rooting the spiritual gifts in God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So not only do the gifts reiterate and underscore Jesus is Lord, but they show us the Holy Trinity. Some of these words here, gifts, services, activities, people try to parse these out. And the truth is they're just synonymous, interchangeable terms. And Paul makes that clear. He ends up saying that these are all manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But I think what's key here is to see the gifts are firmly founded on a rich knowledge of who God is. What's interesting, if you think about this for a moment, and Paul is not going there, but it's behind the text. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The ultimate model 
for diversity within unity. Am I right? Paul knows that. So he's holding up the character of God. This mystery, this community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's saying that is the gifts flow out of the being and nature of God. Beautiful, beautiful. And, and you read Trinitarian theology as it's developed over the years and the mutual promotion of the Father and the Son and the love that circulates between the Holy Trinity. It's marvelous. I love it. Verse 7 here. Paul says that all of these gifts, all of these functions are what? A manifestation of who? The Spirit. What is the Spirit like, church? Some of you, we've, we've read Galatians 5. Who is the Spirit? What is the Spirit like? Bossy? Self-centered? Comparative? No, the Spirit. It's the Spirit of love. The spiritual gifts there. The fruits of the Spirit. So when the gifts are manifest, the fruits of the Spirit are manifest. The Spirit gets to move and say, I'm pointing you to Jesus. The spirit moves and love is there. Joy, peace, patience with one another. Paul will say that in chapter 13, won't he? He'll say that all of the gifts mean nothing if they're not founded on and infused with love for one another. All the great gifts, prophecy, even martyrdom, these things mean nothing unless it's a manifestation of who the Holy Spirit is, the spirit of love beautiful thing Paul is saying in those seven verses there. So the source of all the gifts, Paul is reminding us, is the Trinity. The gifts come from God and the gifts are for God and the aim of the gifts, the aim of our volunteering is to exalt the Lord Jesus. Very quickly here, let's look at the second bit of wisdom that the Apostle Paul shows us here. In verses 12 through 13, the second thing that Paul is saying here is that there are many members, but one body. He says at verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many are one, so it is with Christ. Then Paul goes into this meditation really on what it means to be a member of the church. And he talks about being baptized into the body of Christ. And he says that as the Holy Spirit manifests the presence of God through the gifts, the Spirit unifies the people of God. And it's amazing here. He actually lists racial and ethnic and social statuses. And he says, none of this matters. When you enter into the body, you transcend into something else. Those things aren't left behind, but you're drawn into, you're called into identity in the Lord Jesus. And then he says this, we're made to drink of one spirit. So what makes us one is our common experience of the Holy Spirit. I think that in the coming months, we're going to see a diversity within unity that we can't even picture right now. I think that we will have rich and poor and we will have every ethnicity we can imagine because guess what happens when the presence of God shows up? 
people come. People get desperate. Do you think people out there are growing desperate for the presence of God? I certainly do. And again, the beautiful thing about all of this, this isn't about programs. It's not about slickness. It is about, Lord, if you don't come, we're doomed. We need your presence. Will you come and manifest the presence of the Holy Spirit for the common good? And people show up. And we'll be baptizing people. And we'll have people joining us. And we'll all drink of the one spirit together. It's a beautiful word picture, isn't it? Thirdly, and finally here, Paul says in verses 14 through 18, and I'll read this, and then skipping down to 21 and 27, Paul says this, indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Follow him here. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, it's kind of monstrous, right? Where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, what's the text say? God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Then skipping down to verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So thirdly, what Paul is doing here is speaking about interdependence and honor. I did some reading this week on this body image and oftentimes this can fly right over our heads. Paul is an educated Jew and he takes this image, it was a common Greco-Roman political image that was used. And it's actually made famous by a fable that was written 500 years before Christ. And this well-known, in this fable, this Roman senator compared a strike, and listen here, by the common people to a revolt of the hands, the mouth, and the teeth, against the belly, and it resulted in the death of the body, the body politic. Paul knows this. What does Paul do? He takes this common image and metaphor of the body, and he inverts it. Everyone is familiar with this. This is a common image, and he uses it differently to emphasize mutual dependence and mutual honor. So when this fable was told in the past, the mind, the head, and the stomach were most important. All the other parts, meh, didn't really matter much. Paul says, no, every part matters. The feet, the hands, the eyes. God has arranged all of this. This is God's design. Not only that, but Paul says, we need one another. Does this make anyone feel uncomfortable at this point? It's moving beyond cooperation or collaboration to need. Mike, I need you. You need me. We need one another. Not just interdependence. 
We can't become who we are fully without one another. God works into the fabric of our lives weakness. And if we don't embrace it, if we think, well, ah, I really want to be omnicompetent. And actually, my gifts are more important than Pat's. There's a problem. We need one another. And I think the Lord is going to teach us deeply about interdependence, needing one another in ways that will open up the mystery of being the body of Christ. So in conclusion here, moving forward, everyone plays at our Lord's. Everyone. Can you say everyone? Make sure we're clear on that. Everyone. All hands on deck, as Carolyn prayed about six months ago, and as Al reminded us in a prophetic word a couple of months ago, all hands on deck, everyone contributes. So our purpose as a church, again, from the beginning, over 40 years ago, our purpose has always been, and we're rediscovering this in new ways, is to discover, use, and develop our gifts, to equip and mobilize all the saints, A-L-L, all the saints. And we get to serve through using our gifts and through volunteering to serve the importance of each role. If you remember, some of you got to hear this when Steve Nicholson was here, he shared with our leaders, he was giving examples of how volunteering could be seen in a different light. He spoke about one of their traffic conductors that was in the parking lot. And this gentleman had a vision of what he was doing and Steve helped fuel that and reinforce it. That could be a pretty thankless job in Chicago weather, right? Oh my gosh, I've got to go out, put on the orange vest, take up the orange batons. It's 25 degrees out. I'm miserable. Everyone else should be miserable around me. Their traffic conductor and the ministry that he established, he realized I am the first person to interact with anyone coming to the Evanston Vineyard. It's me and my team. And so he was like a gatekeeper for the church, began to build this and sow it into the church. What I do is filled with honor. This is important. Actually, there may be people coming to church who haven't been in months or years. I get to be the first person they interact with, so I'm going to be friendly. I'm going to help them find the door. So I think the Lord is going to teach us many things about this beautiful mystery about being the body of Christ. Are you in for it? I'm in. I'm all in, right? So we're ending right where we should here, 1147, right? 1150. You want to close this mic? Or why don't we do this? Why don't we stand? And Lord, I ask as we close here today that you would teach us about being the body of Jesus, about being the body of Christ, that we're all significant. We've all been given gifts that matter. And I pray, Lord, that in the coming days, you would activate and reactivate the gifts among us, that we would all burn to build up the body of Christ and reach the lost. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Mike, why don't you transition us here.